tell us a little bit about yourself and the journey that you've been on with God. Um, okay, so my journey with God really began when I was 15 years old. Um, I don't have a... I, I kind of grew up in the Church of England, but didn't really have a relationship with God, didn't know what that was, didn't know God wanted a relationship with me. Um, I was, at 15 years old, I was dating a girl who was involved in witchcraft, and uh, so I had a very spiritual life before God in a not-so-good way. Uh, I had spent my life doing martial arts and boxing, and uh, my life was reaching a point of complete destruction, and uh, it was only at the age of 15 that someone invited me to church, uh, and uh, my granddad was passing away at the same time, so he was my hero, but he was the only believer that I actually admired in our family. And so that's where my story really began, was the fact that he was the believer in our family, he was the one that represented God, and he was leaving, he was leaving this world to go and be with Jesus. And uh, so that's where my story began, that's when I came to church and experienced the love of God for myself for the first time. And so that's where my story really began. Um, Missions-wise, we, we really began missions. I began missions at 18 years old. I, I spent two weeks in Israel. I spent a week in the desert with the Bedouins, and then spent a week in Jerusalem. At 19, I was in Africa for three months uh, in the bush of Zambia. And then I was also in the Philippines that same year. Um, Sarah, we met when I was 19 years old, didn't we? And um, we met in the church. Hello. Yeah, we met in the church. So like my yeah. first Sunday back to church from Africa was Sarah's first Sunday to church yes. in England. And so we kind of met there and we realized that we went to the same school. Yeah, uh, he greeted me at the door. He was one of the hosts. I looked at him and I thought, I recognize you. Yeah. And then after a while it, it twigged. We were both in the same school. So yeah, small world. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just looking at my son. He's been a little monkey. Yeah, um, but yeah, so we've been kind of doing missions for a long time, and it really began at uh, about 19 years old. And we Sarah first started going to Africa, and then uh, and then yeah. we kind of journeyed onto the Philippines together, didn't we? Yeah, so perhaps we could just find out a little bit from yeah. Sarah, if that's okay, a little bit about your journey with God. And... So really, just before I met Ray, I was studying a beauty course in London. That didn't really work out. My parents invited me to church. Um, and yeah, that was it. I was desperate. I was hopeless. I met Ray there and everything actually just slotted into place very quickly for me. I knew that I needed God. Uh, I was alone. I didn't know what I wanted, but I gave my life to the Lord and everything just, I just felt complete peace. Um, the mission field as well. I went to Africa for the first time. Very uncomfortable. I had to leave my makeup behind, all my comforts, all my hair dryer, all the things that you love. Because it's just too hot out there. But it really was uh, an experience. But just by me doing that and stepping out in faith, um, I realized God spoke to me so clearly. Um, and I knew that this is what he was calling me to do, not just with me, but also with Ray. Um, but by the time I went on my first trip, we were already... Um, we were already courting at that time yeah. or in the beginning stages. So this was a very important thing for me to do because I knew Ray was a missionary and the only way I'd know if we would end up being together and it was God's will as if I needed to do the trip myself. Um, but it was, it was an amazing trip. It really was. I think I went a couple of times, yeah. um, but I loved it. And then next came the Philippines, which we did together and we just fell in love with it together. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the Philippines. Why the Philippines? Why do you feel 
called birth? Uh, I never knew I would be. Yeah. I actually preferred Africa. <laughs> Me too. Um, I, I, you know, Africa is very green. It's very, you know, it's very exciting. Um, you know, it's a whole different world. And then when you go to the Philippines, the Philippines is such an intense dynamic. Um, it doesn't have the same landmass that the Phil- uh, that Africa has. So it's a very intense uh, dynamic. Um, so I first went in 2006 when I, was, when I was 19. That's when I first went. And we went for two weeks. I went with Pastor Andy Elms um, for two weeks. And that was, that was it. I was, and then we went to Africa. So I thought I was going to be in Africa. Um, but then we kept going back to the Philippines. And we're like, okay, God, well, you're doing something. Um, and just the way God was moving when we were there uh, was just awesome. Uh, people getting saved, healed, set free, all that kind of stuff uh, was awesome. And so we just went back time and time again, and our hearts really became joined to the Philippines to the point where it was actually harder for us to come away than it was to stay. Um, so that's, that's when we began to really begin to feel mm-hmm. that calling on mm-hmm. a more permanent basis, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're going to hear a lot more about your ministry um, in a moment. So yeah. um, maybe we could uh, uh, leave it there for now. And if we could invite Ray to come up and share with us, that would be great. And we can pray for you if that's all right. Sure. Go ahead. (laughs) Lord, we just thank you for Ray. We thank you for hearing his story and the journey that you've had him on and how that reminds us, Lord, that you love us all and you leave those 99 to come and find us, to search us. And to call us your own, that we can say to you, you're a good, good father to us. So we thank you for Ray, the man that you've made him and the desires you've put in his heart. And Lord, we are eager to hear you through him and all what you've been doing together. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Ray. Uh, God bless you all. Thank you so much for having us here. It's a real honor to be able to share our journey with you. Um, we are really excited about what God's doing in the Philippines, and it's not just through us he's doing it, he's doing it through different avenues all across the Philippines, he's doing a lot of good, and we're excited to be a part of the movement that is advancing the kingdom of heaven, amen? Um, and so we are very, very grateful uh, to be on the mission field, we've, we have always loved missions, and we have always loved um, going to places where people don't want to go where people can't go, and we've always loved that excitement, and uh, we are now able to do that as a family, which is really exciting. Uh, One of the things I said to Sarah when we were dating years ago, uh, we've been married 11 years this year, so uh, one of the things I said to her when we were dating before we were married was, I don't want to experience what God does, and you miss it, Um, which is the heart of missions, because when when you're on mission, you are really almost hanging on to God because without God, nothing's going to happen. Um, You know, and that's just the reality of missions because you have to cling to God. Uh, When you're in a village and no one knows you or has never seen a white person before and you're in a village and and they think you're a ghost because you're white, you know, and uh, you really, I'm not a ghost, it's okay. Um, but when you're in those places and you have to, you are representing God in that place, you have to give out of what you have. Amen? Does everyone understand that? So you have to give from a position of connection with God. And I was reading just now in, in Mark chapter 16, 
where God says, in the, Jesus says to his disciples in the Great Commission, it says, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole, uh, to all, the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe uh, whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they'll cast out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, and they'll pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And if they lay their hands on the sick, they will recover. This is where our faith has got to be. As missionaries, I mean, the way we do missions is slightly different. We're not part of a huge missions organization. We're not. We're part of a local church. We don't have a massive budget. It's us. So we can't go and put on huge events. We can't go and put on big feeding programs. We can't. And so when we first arrived in the Philippines in uh, 2017, we were a part, again, of a local church. And at that time, we lived in a very poor area, and um, it was just me, Sarah, and Isaac at that point, and I was doing a lot of traveling into the mountains. But I was very aware that every time I left my house, my family was at risk from bugs, uh, from things you couldn't see, from things you could see. We have had, uh, we've had earthquakes. Um, we've had all kinds of things happen while we've been living in the Philippines. And so I knew that every time I left my home, my family was at risk. And so um, I would go into the mountains. I would go and spend time with the natives. And I would preach, with the, preach to the native Filipinos. And uh, they're the ones with the bows and arrows and all that kind of thing. And uh, that's really exciting. The only issue is you have to eat whatever they put in front of you. Now, I don't know if you've ever eaten with a native Filipino before, um, but they boil everything, okay? So, you know when you have crackling, you know, pork scratchings, that kind of thing, you know, when you have a, you know, a nice bit of pork and it's got a nice bit of crackling? Well, they don't fry it, they boil it, which means it's just slime. That's not nice to eat. All right, just, just FYI, okay, um, because, it's, you know, anyway, so I'm, I'm there, I'm eating my rice, and I come, 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 uh, come across this nice bit of slime that's going in my mouth. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Um, you know, when you're really desperately trying to control your face, so it looks like you're enjoying it, you know. Um, so I've had a few of those moments, and so we spent time ministering with the natives in the mountains, and uh, we see God moving there, um, and then we spent time in the dump sites, so we've, we've got a friend who, um, actually since 2009, we've been working with an organization uh, that works in the dump site of the Philippines in Tondo, Manila. And it is horrific. I mean, I could show you pictures, but even the pictures wouldn't, yeah, they're bad, but it wouldn't ever do it justice. Because the one thing that doesn't get you, it's not what you're seeing, it's what you're smelling. Because I've only ever been there, uh, this is the worst place I've ever been, I mean, this is the place that makes you want to vomit because of what it smells like. And so we've got friends that live there. So we'll go and serve our friends in the community. We'll go and spend time with the guys in the dump site. We'll go and sit with the guys in their houses, which are the size of a bit of uh, MDF. That's their house. That's where they live for four kids. You know, I got invited to, we were in a, another community we used to work with. We don't work with them anymore um, because they got relocated by the government. But we used to work in an area called Novotas, and Novotas was a, uh, was a, is a city, but in the city there was a cemetery, and the cemetery had 2,500 families living in it, and that's a lot of families, and, and it's not like houses, like we have houses, these are huts built on top of huts, 
The whole place was like a maze. In fact, if you wanted to go anywhere in this area, you needed to get, get one of the children to take you there because they were the only ones who could lead you where you needed to go. And so we'd go through this community and we would pray for people and we would spend time with people in this. Um, one of the worst photos I think I've ever taken was a child playing with a human skull um, because that's the reality of the, the cemetery that they live in. It's not a nice one like Kingston Cemetery. This is tombs um, that you have to pay rent on even after you've died. And if you've finish paying the rent, they'll remove your bones, they'll put them in a, ba- in a cement bag, and they'll leave them outside, and then somebody else uses the tomb. That's how it is. And so we would work with these communities, and then we work, you're glad I'm not showing photos now, right? Um, so then we would work with the guys in the dump site, and uh, I had been asked to preach to this church in, in the middle of the dump site, um, and the first time I preached there, I had been bitten on my both feet by a cockroach. Um, so my feet were swollen, I could barely stand up, and I've been asked to preach, so that was a fun evening. Um, and then they had to escort us out because one of the kids had a gun. So, once we, so it was quite high-intensity stuff that we've been dealing with over the past 10 years of ministering there. And our hearts just really, really grew attached to what God was doing. We couldn't describe it, all we knew that was that it was God. And so we prayed about it a lot. And we said, you know what, we really feel God is calling us here full time. Um, And we don't know what that's going to look like. We really don't. And so we just, we we sought wisdom on it. We we sold everything. We gave everything away. And we made the jump that said, God, I don't know what's going to be there when I get there. But I'm following you. And so as I, well, we, not me, it was I, but we as a family, we took that step. Do you know what happened? We were selling our house, and a week before we left the country, the house sale collapsed. So everything that we had planned to have for going wasn't there. I said, God, you're messing around. You really are. This isn't funny. (laughs) And I remember lying there in bed, freaking out. And I'm saying, God, what is going on? And he said, Ray, you've got two choices. Either keep going or quit. I said, God, you know me, I'd rather die than quit. He said, well, there's your answer. So then we still chose. We said, even if there's nothing there when we get there, we're going. And we got there. And you know what? It's not been easy. God has provided miraculously. But we have not stopped seeing God move. And we've seen, uh, we, were, we were asked, we were in one village um, in a province called Da'et in Bikol. And... Um, we were asked to go to this young man's house, and, and uh, he, this was a tiny, tiny hut, and I was speaking to the youth pastor of one of our churches there, and I said, what's the issue? And he said, someone put something in his drink, and he lost his mind. Now he's possessed. He's chained up like a dog in his house. And so I said, okay, well, bring him out. So we took, a, we took some people. We went around the house, and they, they, they let him out. He had a chain around his ankle. They let him out. Um, and we prayed for him, and we, we set him free that morning. And praise God, he's back at school now like nothing ever happened. See, this is where we see God move. We see God move through setting people free. We see God move through uh, the power of God, but also the love of God. You know, love is the most supernatural, is the most natural way for the supernatural power of God to move into someone's life. It doesn't cost you anything to love someone. 
It really doesn't. I was speaking to a group of pastors in the, in, in, again, in, we had a district pastors meeting in Diet, and I was speaking to the pastors because there's a, there's a fixed model of evangelism that a lot of people, um, you know, obviously got, they go through seminary and they come out and they, they got this fixed model of evangelism and this is how we do it. That's really great, but what happens if you don't have the facilities to do that? If you don't have the cash to do feeding programs, if you don't have the cash to do, um, build build-ins and, and do all that stuff and you know, house the homeless and feed the orphans and all that stuff, what happens if you don't have the cash to do that? What do you do? And I asked the pastors and they looked at me and then they looked at each other and they looked back at me and they said, we do nothing. I said, no. No, it's not like that. I said, see, we have access to an open heaven. And what we do is we pull down from heaven every ounce of love we need to go and invade a community. We go and we spend time with people. We go, we go, if we, we go and we pray for people. We go and we set them free. That doesn't cost us anything other than time. Then later on, when we've got a bit of cash, we may manifest that, do, do things a little bit differently But initially, we've got the ability to go and love people with the power of God that sets people free. I'm not talking about a hippie love where everything's okay. I'm talking about agape. The love that says God is love. Amen. And God is power and God is grace and God is truth and all those things. And when we minister in love, we minister in the power of God which sets people free and heals people. See, we were doing that for about 15 months and we were having a really hard time securing our visa because they were never really quite straightforward with what they wanted. So it took us about a year to get our visa, missionary visa sorted. So I was always going backwards and forwards to the, to the province and the mountains and those things. And our goal was always to plant a church. That was our goal. Because you can go and do these things, but you actually want to reproduce yourself. You want to graze up disciples, because that's the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. So I was always going and speaking for other churches. I was going and speaking in the mountains, dump sites, and all that kind of stuff. But our goal was to start another church. We were already serving in a church, because we we had one in that area. So our goal was to move out and plant another one. Now, we couldn't do that without having our missionary visa. So for 12 months, we were struggling to be able to be released to do that because we couldn't secure our visa because of all the paperwork issues. We came back, then we went again. And then thankfully, in the middle of uh, July 2018, we secured our visa, praise God. So that then released us to actually go into a new community and plant a church. So we released, we, were, we, we moved out of where we were, we moved into a new community, and again, uh, one thing you have to take into consideration is language is a, is a big issue, okay? Language communication can be a big issue. So either you need to speak fluent Tagalog, which is the main language in the Philippines, or Cebuano, or whatever, but we need to be able to speak effectively. Now, where we moved to is an English-speaking area because we don't speak fluent Filipino or Tagalog. We're learning, but we still don't speak fluent Tagalog. We're learning it. Uh, it's a very difficult language. <laughs> uh, but we're getting there. Because I, when we're praying about this, we're saying, Lord, how do we do this? 
how do we do this? We're not, again, we're not a big humanitarian organization. We're part of a local, small local church. We're going out and we're getting people saved. That's what we're doing. So how do we do this? And so the bottom line that God came up to me was, with was this. You need to multiply yourself. Because if I try and do it all on my own, I'm going to be exhausted. We're going to run out of money. We're going to have to go home. That's, that's, the, that's kind of the bottom line, if I try and do this on my own. So we moved to an area where communication wasn't going to be so much of an issue, so I could train people, so I could get people saved, so we could get people born again. And what we did is we moved into a neighborhood, and uh, we started ministering to our neighbors. We started ministering to our friends. We started building relationships, doing things through that way. Um, because they, when you move around, there's different restrictions wherever you go. Okay, so this area, for example, you're not allowed to give out flyers. You're not allowed to knock on people's doors. You're not allowed to do any of the stuff you can do everywhere else in the Philippines. Okay, which is fun. This is a nice new challenge. Okay, no problem. So I said, God, how are we going to do this? He said, love them. Just love them. Don't have an agenda. Just love them. Because when you love them, they'll listen to you. When you love them, they'll give you the opportunity in their world to pray with them. And I love that psalm. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so my, my, my hope was this, that if I could just get my hands on you, if I could just pray for you, you would feel the presence of God and you would get a taste of just how good he is. And I've lost count of how many times you pray for someone who's drenched and bound by religion and you pray for them and they just feel God. The very thing that they've been in pursuit of their whole lives, it's now there and they just cry. I've lost count of how many taxi drivers I've prayed with and brought to the Lord and they just cry because they've finally been able to feel the very thing that they've been promised. Now, sadly, Catholicism in the Philippines is practiced very, very differently than what you would see here. It's very extreme. And so when you, when you go there, it's very binding and very controlling, and you can see the influence of it in people's lives. And there's a lot of cults. We've, we come across cults all the time, We're always dealing with Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, you know, the occult, uh, witchcraft. Uh, we actually had a lady in our, in our unit I don't know if you talk about this stuff much. I'm sorry if I'm ruining everybody's morning. Um, but we, we had one girl in our neighborhood, and she had a baby girl, and her mom had taken the baby to the witch doctor. And so the witch doctor did her thing, and, uh, and then the baby started seeing spirits and wasn't sleeping for weeks. So I said, bring her to the church. So she brought her to the church, and we uprooted the witchcraft in the name of Jesus, and the baby was completely restored. See, we, this stuff's easy to do, but it's frustrating when you have to deal with it all the time. And so we have to teach people that actually, no, you don't need this stuff. Another time we were in the, in the, in the I was in Cadiz, I was, I was a guest minister there, and they asked me to go and pray with a guy who, had, who was dying of cancer. He had a big stone in his stomach, um, and so he was lying on the floor. He, he was actually in prison, um, and they released him from prison because he was dying. And so they asked me to go and pray for him. So I went and prayed for him. And there was just a, a really supernatural peace that came on him. It was amazing. 
He had gone from struggling and straining and being restless to just being at peace. So then after we left, his dad wasn't happy with what we had done. So he went to the witch doctor and got a bottle of oil. And the witch doctor told him to go and make him drink it. So he drank it and it basically felt like he was on fire. And so he was running around the house like a crazy person. And that everything that we had, God had done was just undone by this uh, foolish act of the father. So we have to deal with this stuff all the time. Um, and, but step by step, person by person, we are constantly reaching out, constantly bringing people to the Lord. Uh, we, we actually get more people born again in our house now than what we do in church. And that to me is, that's actually, that, I love that. I love the fact that people come to our house and that's where they meet God. And, uh, and so we do that with our neighbors, we do that with our friends, they come around for dinner, we talk about God, we talk about them, we talk about life, and we get them born again. And, uh, and then they come back, and we go through stuff with them, and we, and they, and we walk with them in their journey to God. You know, it, this is, does this sound okay to everybody? Because this is, this is our, kind of our lives, uh, this is what we do, and we, 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 we stepped into this neighborhood, and it was just me and Sarah. We opened the doors of our church in May of 2019, and we had 15 people. Before we came in October, but before we came in October, we had 36 people in our church. That's God. And what we're doing is we're training people to go and win their world. We're training people to go and be assistance to other people. We're training from rising people up so they can say, no, listen, you have the authority of God in the name of Jesus. You go and you go and minister to your world. So this is what we've been doing. And this is what we're going to continue to do. I've got a fairly short amount of time left. Am I doing good? Am I right? Okay. And so our vision is this. We've, uh, we're going to go back in February. We're going to continue homeschooling Isaac and, and Penny as they grow up, we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to win our neighborhood one person at a time. We're going to continue to grow the church and grow the influence of the church. We're going to continue to send people into the dump sites. And do you, know what, do you want to know over something really cool? Okay. We actually don't have a worship team in the church at the moment. Every Sunday, there's a ministry that we've been serving for years is now sending people to our community to lead worship. So the very community in the dump site that we've been ministering to over the years is now sending people every Sunday to minister to us through worship. That's beautiful to me because in the Philippines, there's a very clear class system. If you are here, you don't mix with people here. You don't. If you're here, you've got no chance of mixing with people here. But what I love is that we live in like a working class area. And so what we've done is we've been able to close that gap. We've got people coming from the dump site to lead worship to people who live in nice houses. I love that. Because the answer is not what's in your house. The answer is what's in your heart. Because if Christ is in your heart, you have everything you need. Now there's some strategy stuff that we've got planned and with some strategy stuff that we're thinking of as we go on back. But I want to encourage you this morning with this. We, we don't do this on our own. We do this as part of the kingdom of God. 
And whatever someone sows, they're not sowing into us, they're sowing into the kingdom of God. And so whatever we do together, we march forward together in unity to see the kingdom of God advance through the Philippines. And they need it. They don't need it over there, they need it also here. The world is fallen. The world needs us to stand up together as the body of Christ and move forward in power and in love, demonstrating who God is. Amen. These are dark times. And they're not going to get better. But it says where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. Don't be discouraged by what you see going on out there. Because what's inside of you, Christ, the hope of glory, is more than enough to deal with everything we see outside these doors. And when we go back to the Philippines, we go taking the hope of glory with us. Can I share with you one more story? Is that okay? I was, ch- I was talking with a guy who's from Spain uh, our, our, our community is like the UN. It's hilarious. Okay, we've got we've got people. We've got Filipinos. We've got uh, we've got Africans. We've got Spanish. We've got uh, Indians. We've got English. We've got American. We've got Canadians. Um, <laughs> we've got we've got people from all over the other all, all around the world living in our community, which is great. I love it. And so we are able to minister to all these different cultures and communities, and it's it's really wonderful. I love it. Really, I really do. And I was speaking with this Spanish guy who'd been involved in a lot of spiritualism. He'd also been involved in a lot of other things, involved in Christianity, but not really given his heart to it. And so we're talking, and I'm sharing with him about the significance of Jesus. Because you can have the understanding of God, but if you don't have the understanding of Christ, you've lost everything. So I'm sharing with him the significance of the person of Jesus. Because on him, everything hangs. And he said, you know what, Ray? I just don't believe. I said, okay, it's your choice. I can't make you. And he said, you know what? If God heals this, I'll believe. And he shows me on his hand, and like half a golf ball lump on his hand. It's a cyst. He said, it's been there nine months. So I said, okay, give me your hand. So I took his hand, and I prayed. Gave him his hand back. I said, keep me posted. Two days later, I get two photos in my inbox on Facebook. The lump had completely gone. And I replied to him, I said, remember what you said. If God heals this, you'll believe. He said, all right, whatever. <laughs> and he did give his heart to the Lord. Sadly, he got re- he, that was amazing. That moment he had with the Lord was amazing, but he did get ensnared back into other stuff. But and we're, going to, we're continuing to ministering into his life. You see, we're at war. You know, that's the, 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 we're at war. We're at war with the kingdom of darkness, and we're advancing the kingdom of heaven. There's, there's that, there's, that is the real dynamic we're dealing with every day. And it doesn't sound nice to talk about on a Sunday morning, okay? But that's the reality we live in. We serve the kingdom of God. We operate in the realm of heaven. We operate in the authority of who Jesus is because he's positioned us with him in heavenly places. We have received from him every gift that we will ever need through his Holy Spirit. And now we've been empowered to go into our world and change it for the glory of God. Amen? This is what we do. 
and we're going back to do it some more. Praise God. Thank you for having us this morning. God bless you.